Hey, South and City Church uh, podcast family, all of you local and long distance who are tuning in this week via the podcast, uh, Jason Miller here, and we wanted to um, say hello again and welcome you to the podcast and thank you for tuning in. Uh, we know that uh, in this season, there's a whole bunch of you who are part of the South and City Church family who find the podcast to be uh, one of the ways that you connect, and we're really honored uh, to know that this is a part of your life. And we also have been hearing from you as we've taken a few small steps in the last few months uh, to make sure that you who find the podcast as a primary channel of connection with our community, just know that, that we see you and that you matter and that we think of you as very much part of the family. Uh, this week is a good example of that too. Uh, we're talking this week in the Teach um, about what you do when you look at the demands of tomorrow and consider all the resources that tomorrow will ask for. And then you turn back to today and look at what you have in your hand. And it's just frankly not enough. And we're, we're asking that question both because we know that it's something that a lot of us deal with in our everyday lives, whether it's financial, emotional, medical, relational, but also uh, because it's not a bad way of getting into some updates on our work with the Tribune Project, which is the um, project that we've all jumped into together to acquire and renovate uh, the printing press building of the South Bend Tribune in downtown South Bend. So uh, we know as you listen to this that some of you are not local, others are. But we hope that all of you feel like you're a part of this because whether you feel geographically close to it or not, uh, we are close in spirit. And this project is deep in the heart of our church community. So uh, this is the update. You'll hear about that uh, here in the episode. As always, if you have any questions about what's going on with this project or anything else, we'd love to hear from you. Just email info at southbendcitychurch.com. And we'd love to hear from you. Grace and peace, friends. Good morning. Welcome to South Bend City Church. My name is Jason. We're honored that you are here. It's fall break. It's new sickness season. We are the few, the mighty today, but we're thrilled about it, and we're honored that you are here. Um, there's a thing that we say sometimes that's really important, especially as new people find their way here, which is if you've been here more than once, you are a... Just a little reminder that like every one of us has a part to play in making this the kind of community we believe in. And sometimes it's actually as simple as looking at somebody near you after the gathering and saying, hey, I don't know if I know you yet, but my name's Jason and how'd you find your way here, you know? And sometimes you'll be like me and you'll introduce yourself to a newcomer only to find out they've been coming here for four years. And you'll hang your head in shame and they'll be forgiving towards you and then you'll have that little bond between you uh, all going forward. So anyway, uh, we're really honored that you're here and I want to remind us that we all have a part to play in making this a welcoming space. Um, one thing going on that we're really excited about is happening next Sunday in our gatherings. It's family dedication. Family dedication is a chance for all kinds of families, for people who have been entrusted with the care of kids, to go on the record with their commitment to raise those kids to know the love of God and the good news of Jesus. It's also a chance for us as a church family to affirm our commitment to walk with those families and give them support in the beautiful, harrowing, complicated journey of raising kids. So that's happening next week. It'll be a really special moment. And I just want to say as clearly as possible, this is for all of us. It's not just for the families who will be doing the dedicating. Uh, it's a family event for the rest of us to be here, to pray for them, to rally around them, to cheer for them, to see them and celebrate them. So uh, if, if there's ever a Sunday that you're like, I'm going to make it there just to be a part of the family life, this is a good one for you to do that. We're also going to receive uh, the Eucharist or communion, the sacrament that we, that we gather around, the meal that Jesus gave us. And uh, this is a good chance to point out that if you would like to be somebody who serves the Eucharist, we'd love to have you. Uh, I've found that sometimes I think people see that particular act as something that's only for like special people or certain kinds of people, but that couldn't be further from the truth. 
And as much as everybody is welcome to receive at the table, everybody's also welcome to serve at the table. And um, frankly, I think there's something special that happens when you get to be the one who looks other people in the eye. And you get to be the voice that says the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ shed for you. So uh, next week in particular, we could use some extra servers. But in general, we'd love to have more people on that team. Just go to southandcitychurch.com, find the volunteer link on the menu, and you can use that form to let us know that you're interested and we'll follow up. Sound good? Cool. Awesome. All right, here's the question that frames today, the thing that we're going to wrestle with uh, as a community. The question is this. What do you do when you look at tomorrow, and tomorrow has demands in it, and then you come back today, and you look at what you have right now, and it's not enough to meet the demands that are waiting for you tomorrow. I know this is not an unfamiliar experience in the room. For some of us, this is the personal finances. For others, it's uh, the harrowing task of parenting. (laughs) And you're looking at what those little ones are going to demand of you tomorrow, and you look at what you have today in terms of energy or time, and you just don't see how it's going to work. Some, it's you've gotten news about a medical diagnosis, and it's going to call for some challenging days ahead that you're going to face as you go through treatment. And you're looking at the way that those future days are described by the medical professionals. And then you look at yourself right now and you just, you're not sure that you have in you and with you what tomorrow is going to demand. This is a pretty normal human question. Uh, it shows up in all kinds of different ways in our lives. It shows up in all kinds of stories in scripture. It also shows up uh, in the life of church. Uh, and it shows up in the kind of planning that we do, especially like in the wake of a pandemic and all the kind of financial variability that comes along with that. And so with that question in front of us, which is not just a church question, it's a personal question, uh, I want to use today uh, to give you some exciting and some uh, complicated updates on a project that we've been working on. Uh, It's called the Tribune Project, and I'm going to take you through the whole story here. Now, uh, we're doing this for a bunch of reasons. One is we're we're doing this big project, whether you know it or not, uh, like our church is committed to and invested in uh, a big project for our future here. And some of you weren't around in the spring when we did a bunch of work to commit toward it, or even earlier you weren't around here like a year ago when we did a bunch of discernment work together. And it's just not nice to have newcomers at the table and not catch them up to speed. And so we felt like we really owed that to those of you who have joined our community in the last few months. Uh, We're also doing this because we're really committed to transparency and just to be an open book as we move through this big project together. So I'm going to go backwards a little bit, bring you forward to the current moment, and look ahead a little bit. That's the agenda for today. Sound good? 9 a.m. I love you all. <laughs> that thing about when you look at tomorrow and you don't know if you're going to have what you need, um, the room that you're sitting in right now is a good example of that in a couple of ways. First of all, when we started as a church, we didn't have a home at all. We didn't even have a plan for a home. We didn't know if we would be in living rooms for the next 10 years or if we would need bigger space than that. We didn't have money. We had nothing. We just had an impulse that we were being called to become a certain kind of community. And, you know, lo and behold, we sit here today in the room that we're sitting in right now, I think, can feel inevitable, like it was always meant to be and this was always going to happen. But, like, don't forget that there were months where we had no idea where a home would be for us. And then once we began to look at this space, we didn't know how we'd pay for it or what it would be like once we got here. And now we look back on years of history and it can feel so predictable and so inevitable. But that's the benefit of hindsight, right? Well, then, of course, uh, not long ago, in the scheme of things, Uh, we found out that uh, our tomorrow in this space was not guaranteed. 
And after working further with the developer here and understanding the dynamics of his development project at Studebaker, we found out that not only is this particular room that we are in maybe not available to us in the future, it's definitely not available to us at the end of our lease, which ends next summer. So there you go all over again. You look at the future and you really have no idea what's next. Um, this is a very personal experience and it's also been the experience of our church. We looked around for a while and got very curious about this building in the heart of downtown. It's the uh, printing press building of the South Bend Tribune, built in the 90s. Um, we found out after we began exploring this acquisition that when the building was built, the local business community in downtown South Bend took to calling it Tribune Church. Because it has the architectural feeling of a cathedral. And uh, we, we poked around on it. We, um, considered whether our future would, would happen there. We thought about what matters for our community as we discern what's next. And we realized there are a few reasons that this is the project that we wanted to pursue, these purposes that we wanted to be committed to. Next slide. That we wanted to secure a long-term home. That we wanted to be a church that's so committed to our city and so invested in our context that we would uh, put roots in the ground, plant a stake in the ground and say that we are here to stay. We wanted a long-term home for the life of our church community and all the good that happens here. We wanted to be better stewards of our finances, and I won't take you through the long version of this, but if you were around last fall, I did the math on the screen for you about how like endlessly renting just costs a ton of money, and as long as you're renting, there's, there's no future where you're not renting, but buying and renovating the Tribune project where you give a chance to secure in the long run, with a long vision, a, a long-term debt-free, rent-free future after we pay the mortgage off. And that means that a bunch of our resource, resources and financial investments can go toward things like uh, ministry on the ground and meeting needs in our community. We also thought it'd be really powerful to create new life for an empty building in the heart of downtown. And we have some experience with this in the room that you're sitting in right now. And we've seen how, how important it's been for us as a church family to do that work. And we've also seen what it does for the, for the city when old empty spaces are redeemed, turn around, given new life. It, it has a kind of reverberating effect that's good for the whole community. And this would give us a new chance to do that. And then lastly, with this big spacious building in the heart of downtown that's just sitting there empty all day long right now. Instead, we could see it filled with new life through community partnerships for the common good. This is a vision not just for the South Bend City Church to meet there on Sundays and have our church life together, but a vision for the city of South Bend to have some of its life in the building during the week, meeting some kind of needs or working with community partners on behalf of everyone who calls South Bend home. So with all those purposes in mind, with a real sense of intention there, uh, we decided that we think we need to like, actually go for this. Um, I can't even read my next note. What's the next slide? Oh yeah, there we go, thanks. Um, this is the masthead of the Tribune. It was for years, not very recently. Jake Titus found this in the archives. This is actually what was printed on the top of the South Bend Tribune for all those years, uh, decades ago. It said, the Tribune, a paper for the people. And if we, if we could really sum up our, our convictions that developed around this project as we discerned it together uh, through months of conversation and research, like what we really felt was that the purpose of that building isn't really shifting dramatically. It's just that instead of producing a newspaper whose job is to help people understand the world, a newspaper whose job is to narrate the world, to tell important stories, to help people find their place in a complex reality, instead of a paper being printed that does those things, uh, the Tribune could become a place for the people. A place where a living, breathing church is doing some of the same, same kind of work, telling important stories and helping people navigate the world and find their place in it. 
and the whole city of South Bend discovering that that physical resource in the heart of downtown could be a place for the people of South Bend. So uh, this is just a little bit of background on the heart and the, and the motivation behind the project that hopefully you've already heard about, but I wanted to say it again because we can lose these things as we move through a project. Uh, also, uh, a lot of you haven't had a chance to be in the building. Back when we were discerning and raising funds, we didn't own the building yet, which meant we had to like, go through a lot of hoops to get into the building. But guys, we own the building now. We have the keys to the building, which means we can do open houses whenever we want. Yeah. So if you've not had a chance to see it for yourself, you've got to come over and see it. It's, just, it's different to walk around in it and say, okay, this is ours now. God has entrusted us with this building. So we got some open houses coming up, including today, right after the next gathering. So here's the play. You walk out of the nine. If you're background checked, you let Karen know that you can volunteer at the 11 for kids because we could use you today. But if you're not background checked, you go get yourself some brunch downtown, just have a good old time, and then just meet us at the Tribune building at noon and see it for yourself. We'll have the door open. Uh, some of us on the team will be there to show you around and give you a sense of what that space is. So an open house today from 12 to 1.30. Also this Thursday, uh, October 27th. Again, the next Sunday, right after the family dedication gatherings, we'll be over there. And then finally on Thursday, November 3rd. I mean, if you haven't seen it, you got to come over and make it. A couple of disclaimers, though, about uh, coming to the building. Um, we have not renovated it yet. I don't know if you knew that. This is an industrial building that has been vacant for a while, uh, which means we're not able to live up to our values on two fronts. Uh, one, it's not a safe space for kids right now. And two, it's not an accessible space if you have any mobility challenges right now. Obviously, those are very high values that are going to shape the way that we invest and design that building. That will not be the case once we move in there. Um, but today, we don't have the means or resources to make it a safe space for kids or to make it accessible if mobility challenges are part of your life. Um, but we're eager to change that once we actually do the investments there, right? So that being said, um, I want to give you some updates. We've done a bunch of work. Uh, I especially want to celebrate uh, a couple of people on our team who've been working hard on this part of the project, and that's Katie Miller and Matt Grable. Uh, Katie and Matt are both people who in the day-to-day -day are working on things like finances and administrative planning. Uh, Matt's been driving the development of this project, and everything I'm sharing with you today uh, reflects all the diligence and hours and hours and hours of work that they've put in. So I just want to celebrate that and say thank you to them before we update you. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we did a bunch of assessment work going into the project before we decided to buy it to make sure that this made sense. And in that assessment work, we came up with some initial cost estimates. I want to just remind you of what these were. So the purchase price for the building was a million dollars. By the way, the thing appraises today with nothing done to it at like twice that amount. So I think just in the kind of general real estate sense, we found out we got a good deal on the building. Uh, and then if we were to do the whole renovation, if we were to take that entire building from ground floor to rooftop, and make it everything that we think it could be on behalf of not just our church life, but community common good experiences, like the whole shebang. Uh, we, we were looking at about $4.5 million in renovation costs, or a grand total of $5.5 million. Now, we wanted to start out with what does it cost to do this the best we can? Like, just what does it mean to get our arms around the whole project? And that's where we got these numbers from. Simultaneously, we also knew that a church of our size, uh, it, would, it would be outside the norm if a church of our size raised enough money up front to combine with a mortgage to do all of that. And so we also simultaneously evaluated a phased approach because we wanted to make sure that if we, if we bought the building, we had a, a few different ways to make this happen based on different budgets, right? So in the phased approach, um, 
the, the building essentially has a, a couple of main floors. So there's the kind of the ground floor main floor. And in the big design, there's a big lobby area. I'm going to show you the video at the end. Don't worry. There's, there's a big lobby area, and there's also a, a bunch of great kids' area on the main floor. And then in the full scope approach, the gathering area where Sunday morning worship happens would be up on the second floor. In the phased approach, we essentially don't touch that second floor. We leave it unrenovated. And the lobby, which happens to be roughly the size of the room that we're sitting in right now, like almost bizarrely similar dimensions, the lobby would become a sort of multi-use mini lobby, not unlike the one we have right now and the gathering area. That's the way that we get the phased approach done. We take what will eventually be the lobby and make it the gathering area and then look forward in the future to renovating the second floor for a gathering area and then the temporary gathering area becomes the lobby, which is really important because if you've ever like, had a good conversation with a new friend between the 9 and the 11 and the 11 gets started, you realize there's nowhere to go in this room, right? We got curtains and uh, a lobby that gets really crowded when there's a lot of kids around. Lo like lobby space is useful, but it's not as essential as having a place to do what we're doing right now. So that's the phased approach. In the phased approach, the cost looks like this. A million dollars to purchase and three million dollars to renovate. And that's how we get the phased approach done with a grand total of four million dollars. That's the cost. And then uh, the way that we're going to pay for it. Uh, next slide. Um, you all, this church community, we pledged... $1,759,818 to this project, which is staggering and really incredible. Yeah, yeah, right? So that's a combination of pledges. And then some people have made gifts to the project, but they didn't make a pledge, which is great. We'll take your money either way, believe me. Um, but so this is a combination of pledges plus non-pledged gifts that have already been given. Also, we got a grant. Guys, I think I can say it like this. I'll say it like this. Um, so the Schurz Corporation was the owner of the building, and they sold us the building. But then we got the Schurz Foundation to give us a grant for the building. How great is that? Yeah. The Schurz Foundation, uh, they just awarded us 25000 specifically for outdoor uh, safe place for kids to play, which ties into the community partnership that we've been discerning, especially around using the building for early childhood space during the week. So anyway, that $1.75 million reflects all of that money. And then additionally, we've taken out a mortgage that when all is said and done, after we do the work, we'll, we'll add up to $2.5 Reminder that we came up with that number, $2.5 based on uh, looking for a mortgage payment that would be cheaper than our current rent payment. And that's where we got, which is really good news. There's headroom there between the mortgage payment and the current rent payment to pay for things like utilities and maintenance costs. So that, that locked in, and that's worked out really well. We got the mortgage. That gives us a grand total of 4.25 million, which if you remember, the, uh, let's go back to the last slide for a sec. So 4 million was how we do the phased approach. And we're actually working, uh, next slide, with 4.25 million in resources. That's really good news, right? Yeah. And then, I don't know if you know this, but we've been living through a global pandemic. Inflation is a thing that has happened. Also, uh, other details like the energy code got updated between when we evaluated the project and now, and that affects things like HVAC. Um, our costs have gone up. HVAC costs, like the install, the install on the HVAC has gone up 40%. And on a project like this, the HVAC is a big part of the project. Uh, additionally, the demolition work is going to go a little differently than we thought. So originally, the phased approach, part of that, because a lot of the cost is also demolition work, well, all of the part of the building that we're going to use in phase two, the idea would be that you would do the demolition in phase two. Until you realize 
that it's going to be much harder to do some of that demo work in phase two because the construction work that we do in phase one makes it much harder to load out all the demolished materials in phase two, which means that a bunch of phase two demo, if we keep it in phase two, ends up costing dramatically more than the same demo would cost if we move it to phase one. Are we tracking everybody good? Okay, right. So uh, we've got additional HVAC costs. Uh, we've got other demolition costs. Supplies have gone up. Everything has gone up. And believe it or not, we're actually looking at, next slide, an additional 1.5 million in phase one cost. Yeah, that's a lot of money. So much so that I know the first time I heard that number, I'm like, did, did, we, did we get this wrong? Did we miss something? And then I talked to everybody I know who does like commercial construction and real estate. And all I've heard from everyone is, nah, man, just welcome to the club. This is the moment we're living in right now. This is the economic reality of everything being sort of tossed upside down. And this is just what happens. And so, um, so this, this is the thing we're kind of facing right now. Um, remember I told you today is about what do you do when you look at tomorrow and you see what tomorrow demands. And then you look at what you have today. And it doesn't seem that you have enough for tomorrow and today. Um, this is not an uncommon human experience. It also happens to be the thing that we're wrestling with as a church right now. Now, um, we're not powerless in this. There's a lot that we can do. And I want to talk through a few things that we can do right now. But before I do that, I want to make something really clear. We're still completely committed to this project. We still uh, are like walking toward our future at the Tribune building. This number right here hasn't caused us to waver in that commitment. But it does raise questions about how and when we'll get there and exactly what version of the project we'll, we'll move into when we get there. But it's, it's not caused us to waver on whether this is our future. Um, we just continue to, like every other discernment point in the project continues to point in the direction of the Tribune, whether it's the fact that we're going to be homeless regardless, so we, we need to have a home, or the fact that the building appraises for way more than we paid for it. Or the fact that when all is said and done, we'll have space that's incredibly functional, not just for our church life, but for community partners. And by the way, we've heard overwhelmingly from other stakeholders in the city, whether it's nonprofit partners or the downtown business community, that they are stoked about this building getting turned around and being offered for the common good. I mean, there's an enthusiasm that goes beyond the walls of South and City Church that also tells us this is something we're really being invited to do. So a few ways that I think we can interact with this challenge right here. Uh, the first one um, is pray. Now, I don't know how you feel when I put that big challenge on the board and then say, let's pray about it. Um, maybe that is exactly the move that your heart wants to make right now. Maybe you're cynical about that kind of a thing. Maybe you wonder what prayer would possibly do in the face of a $1.5 million challenge. I get all those questions. What I'm absolutely convinced of is that prayer is a way for us to be present with God while we do the things that we think God is inviting us to do. I don't know what, what that will do necessarily. I don't know if prayer will somehow be a part of things I do not understand and mysteries that I do not comprehend that move things in a direction that we can't do on our own. I don't, I don't know. Maybe prayer will simply be a way that we ground ourselves more deeply in what we believe and trust while we tackle a big problem. Um, but I know I'm praying for this. I know I drive by that building all the time, and I use the drive-by as a little reminder to pray for the building. There are others on our team that do the same. Um, I think prayer is just a great way for us as a community to bring our heart and our trust and our faith into the story. Another thing you can do is tell the story. I find that people underestimate the power of their own advocacy and enthusiasm. 
Uh, we got a great website built that tells the whole story of the project. We put the banner up on the side of the building that says the Tribune Project is coming to this building. Um, but you're, you are going to be the best ambassador in your own spaces for this story. And you just never know what this story will unleash when people hear it. I, like, I really mean that. We can already say that we've found out that by just getting the word out about what we're doing at the Tribune, people who have um, like resources that we wouldn't have even thought of or connections that we wouldn't imagine would help have, have come out of the woodwork to be invested in this project. And I think the more that we tell the story, the more that we're giving that a chance to happen. So maybe it's just in your everyday relationships, or maybe it's on your social media. I'm not trying to commandeer your social. We're not one of those churches that thinks that, like, if you're not posting weekly about your church, you're not a Christian. That's not the way we roll around here. But I do think that um, we tend to underestimate the power of our own advocacy for a project like this. Uh, third, sweat equity. We're going to get some sweat equity in the building from time to time. Uh, there are parts of the project that don't require skilled labor. Thank God, because otherwise I should not touch it. Uh, there are parts of the project that just require you to show up and help. And we've got one of those opportunities come up for a building cleanup. This is coming up on Saturday, October 29th from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. Uh, we'll be over there at the building, and we'll just be getting our hands dirty, doing some general cleanup that anybody uh, who's able to access the building in its current state can be a part of. And then lastly, uh, let's talk a little bit more about financial commitment. So uh, we did a big round of financial commitment in the spring, and that's what yielded the resources that we've been bringing forward to the project so far, and we're so thankful. However, um, there's two things that we're aware of. One is that uh, some of us in the church community who've already made a commitment might want to revise our commitment. And let me say that in two different directions. Some of us have, have run into financial hardship that we were not planning on when we made our commitment. Some of us, our, our personal financial situation has changed for the negative. Um, that happens too. And not only would we not be upset with you or disappointed in you if you needed to revise your commitment downward, we would really be honored by that because that helps us do better planning, actually, right? This is not a church that like, thinks that maybe you're somehow suffering from a lack of faith if you're not able to show up the way you thought you were gonna show up when you made your initial promise in the spring. However, others, um, maybe upon hearing about new need and realizing that you've got more to offer to the project, are going to want to revise your commitment upward. You can also do that. Secondly, we just know that there's been a lot of new faces around here, and it's both people in the room and people who are part of the digital community who aren't here today but who are part of South and City Church who haven't had a chance to make a commitment yet. And we don't want you to feel like you've missed out because you weren't here back in the spring. So the commitment ask is really simple. It's between now and April of 2024. Uh, what do you want to give to the project? Some of, some of us give monthly out of our regular paycheck uh, income. Others have uh, more sort of uh, asset-based giving where you're going to cash in stock or you've got property that you're going to sell to be a part of the project. So that giving might come in one big lump sum or it might come through like monthly contributions that you play out between now and April 2024. But as we work on new cost assessments and new planning and new phased approaches, we need to have kind of a current check on where our collective commitment is to the project. So if your commitment that you made in April is still the commitment that you intend to follow through on, great, don't worry about this. However, if you wanna revise a commitment or make a new commitment, you've got between now and Friday, November 4th to do that. That's a good deadline for us because then we're going into a fresh round of meetings with the contractor and the architect to figure out what we do with the gap between uh, funding and project. Make sense? We can pray, we can tell the story, we can put some sweat equity into it, and we can consider new financial commitments. That being said, um, one thing we felt from the beginning as a church is that church goes wrong when the organization, the institution, the entity that we call the church tries to exempt itself 
from the very same life that we are calling one another to in our individual lives. Have you ever noticed that sometimes what happens in church is like the preaching comes at you and paints a certain picture of life with God in the world. And there's all these features of life with God in the world that we talk about in our personal life. But then when it comes to the institutional life, to the church life, to the organizational life of the body, of the family, we somehow act as if we're exempt from those things, right? So like here's a good example. South and City Church actually takes Sabbath breaks. Like there are Sundays when we don't gather as a church community because we've said from the beginning, like fields not factories, your life is not a factory. Like you can't be on 24-7, 365. You've got to take time for rest. You've got to let the field lay fallow for a season. Well, if we're going to say that in our personal lives, it's got to apply to the church life too. Right? That's, that's an example where whatever we think about individual life with God in the world, we want to figure out what that looks like for the church world too, right? Another way this happens is like churches will, will tell you till they're blue in the face that like, it's not about success, it's about faithfulness, right? It's not about you being able to control everything. It's about what you do on the hard days and trusting God on the hard days. But then church leaders conspire and do everything they can so that their church community never has to wrestle with those same issues of trust, where like somehow like we think it's our job to manufacture this kind of up and to the right path toward unmitigated success. And like I'll be honest, there was part of me when we got into the Tribune Project that thought it would have been really fun if just some miraculous things happened, which by the way, a lot of miracles happen because this community has already given uh, almost a million dollars to the project. Um, a lot of miracles have happened, but it was easy to think, man, wouldn't it just be fun if we cast this vision for the building and it's like $10 million shows up. And we're like, oh, what do we do with the excess, you know? Like, wouldn't that just be a fun way to tackle this project? And two years later, the rooftop is, is renovated and every inch of that building is gleaming and perfect. Like, wouldn't that be fun? And then you realize, like, no, that would be exactly not, like, what we were here for. Like, we're here as our church life together to walk through the same movements of life with God that our individual lives go through, right? Um, and Scripture is just full of stories about not just individual people, but the people of God as a whole, about the community having to figure out how you're, how you're just going to be here today and trust that if you have what you need for today, today, then tomorrow you'll have what you need for tomorrow. And to like find that way of being in the world. It's full of stories. One of those stories comes from the book of Exodus. Um, it's such a powerful story. The people of Israel have been enslaved for generations. Um, and then finally they're let out of their slavery into their freedom. But they find out that their freedom is fraught and complicated and hard in ways that life back in their enslaved experience was not. In fact, roughly six weeks after leaving Egypt, six weeks out there on the open road, six weeks after they've had a moment at an oasis where some good things happen, but again, they're out there and they, they, they're hungry and they're thirsty. They're, they're, they're basically complaining to Moses and Aaron, saying, like, what have you done? How would you get us into this mess? We wish we were back there in our slavery because at least there we had plenty to eat. That's not an uncommon feeling when you set out on, in, in faith or you take a risk. When you sense that you're being sort of led out of something and into something. When there's some kind of before and after in your life that's being written and you're in the, in the middle, in between the before and the after, this is such a common thing to just say, Man, it was a lot easier back there, and now we're out here, and it feels like we don't have what we need. And it's in that moment that God gives them this strange gift. This is Exodus chapter 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. 
On the sixth day, they're to prepare what they bring in. And that's to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. That's because God's setting them up for a Sabbath practice. Where on the seventh day, they won't get out, go out there and get what they need. So they're out there in the wilderness. And he says, each day I'm going to rain down on you just what you need for today. Don't take for tomorrow what you think you will need for tomorrow, unless it's in preparation for the Sabbath. Otherwise, just take today what you will need for today. And then you're going to have to wake up tomorrow and trust that tomorrow you're going to have what you need for tomorrow. Well, some of these Israelites, they struggle with this just the way that I think I would. Because look what happens a little bit later here. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. That's good. Uh, and when they measured it by the omer, that's a, a measuring unit. The one who gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Good. That's what they were supposed to do. But watch this. Then he said, no one is to keep any of it till morning. Meaning like... That, that anxiety that bubbles up inside you where you're like, oh, no, if, if I consume all of this today, then tomorrow I won't have what I need because I have a hard time believing that the man is going to fall again, which is a word I'll get to in a moment. So he, Moses says, none of you is to keep any of it until morning. But some of them paid no attention. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. When they let the anxiety get the best of them, and they just refused to trust that today is for today and tomorrow is for tomorrow. The blessing that they stored up turned to rot. Um, by the way, this blessing that fell, they, the word that they use for it is manna, which literally means something like, what is it? <laughs> what is this strange thing that's fallen down on us? This strange provision and blessing that's come to us for today. Um, I know in my personal life, I want to have today the things that I will need for tomorrow because then I don't have to trust God for tomorrow. And I think that's a version of where we might be at a church right now. Um, the fact is, throughout the last years, like I mentioned the Studebaker story of finding this place, but at home, like finding physical space for us to do what we do over and over again has brought us to this invitation which is trust, to just trust that, like, today we'll have what we need for today and tomorrow we'll have what we need for tomorrow. I'll never forget, before we moved into Studebaker, we were coming up on our first ever Easter Sunday. Easter is a big deal in church world. I don't know if you know that. Often for a new church, Easter is sort of like the one Sunday that you get to kind of introduce yourself to the world and maybe help people find out that there's a place that they could be a part of that's safe for them. And so you, you rally everything you've got for Easter, and it's our first Easter as a church plant. And we find out with like three weeks notice that the venue that we had booked for Easter isn't going to work. We, I don't know, what do you do in that moment, right? We made a couple of phone calls. Um, and actually, thankfully, it was Kevin Smith who owns Studebaker, who's a developer here, who, like, who moved mountains for us. And we had a beautiful Easter in Union Station. And frankly, Union Station is way cooler than the venue that we were going to use for Easter. It's this beautiful vaulted ceiling cathedral of a train station right there on the other side of the tracks. And we had a remarkable Easter Sunday there. But three weeks prior, all I knew was Easter is coming right around the corner and we don't have what we need. Right? Um, on the Tribune project, we, man, it's been years that we've been working on that project now. Years between when we first started kind of poking around on it. We didn't even know if it was for sale. Didn't know what the sale price was going to be. Didn't know what strings were going to be attached. 
um, there was a season where we thought we might, not ever, we might not ever get a purchase agreement. We went through round after round after round, um, you know, lawyers vetting documents and weird little sticking points that we did not understand on the project. I mean, there were days when I think our team was looking at each other like, is, is this just going to like crumble? Is this, is this going to fall apart? And then it comes through at a time when I think it is right. And the summer we close in the building. And again, thanks to this community's radical generosity, we've had what we needed to secure that purchase. And now we got the keys to that thing. And we get to walk around in it because we own it. Um, I don't think church is supposed to be exempt from the same experiences and stretch points, the same trials and tensions that all of us have had in our personal lives. I don't think church is meant to be a place that's exempt from that. I think church is meant to be a community that seizes these opportunities and uses them to learn how to walk, right? Like, like if any of us in our personal lives is looking at tomorrow realizing that today we do not have what we need for tomorrow, it might be okay that we as a community are going to practice how to walk through that together, right? How to, how, to, how to walk through that kind of a season together, and that's the situation that we're in right now. Um, it's interesting. There's a, a moment later in the story of the Israelites, after they land in the promised land, after they get there and they build their homes and they build their temple and they're secure in the promised land, there's a moment when God says to the Israelites through one of the prophets, how I long for the days when we were back in the wilderness, because at least back there you were learning to trust me. Which suggests, right, that like as much as God wants to bless us and give us a good home and put us in good circumstances so that we can do good things, which I believe God wants all of that, I think God's even more interested in who we are becoming and whether we are becoming the kind of people who can say this thing that we've been saying for the last several weeks, we believe. We're working through this creed, this ancient story that narrates reality that says we believe, we trust, we locate our hearts, we plant ourselves in this story that we are learning of a creator God who intends every good and beautiful thing to be here that's here, of a God who has given God's own life and the particularity of Jesus for us, that we would know God not just as Lord but as friend, God who is spirit, who breathes in our lungs and who breathes in this community and sustains us today. We've been saying we believe, we are learning to trust, to plant our lives, to root our hearts in this story. And I promise this isn't spin. This is coming from the deepest place inside me that I think the challenge that we're facing today on the project, the questions that we have about how we'll go forward, you can just feel the spirit whispering to us saying, you have what you need today for today. We'll work it out together for tomorrow. But right now what you're being invited to is to learn how to trust. So that's, um, that's what I hope for us um, as a church community. It's also what I hope for us individually. Um, I don't know if the, if the challenge that you're facing is financial or professional or relational or medical or emotional. I know a lot of us individually look at tomorrow and we look at today and we're not sure that we have what we'll need for tomorrow. But we're going to keep working this out together and learning how to do it. I do want to remind you of where we're going, though. I do want to... Um, it is important when you're out there in the wilderness to keep some vision in front of you, to remember where it is that you're going and why. So some of you haven't seen this video. I just want to remind you again of what we imagine we're going to do uh, with the Tribune Project as we turn it into a place for the people. This is the loading dock that in the phased approach becomes the gathering area. We'll put a big old window in there so it's not so dim. 
But you can kind of sense the dimensionality of that room, and it doesn't feel unlike the room that you're sitting in right now. Now, again, in the long-term vision, this becomes our lobby area. This is just meant for relational connection, just space to be together in unstructured time and connection. But in the phased approach, that'll be a worship area for us to gather. The kids' rooms, we are so eager uh, for kids to have good space that's totally dedicated for them, not just for Sunday mornings for South City Church, but for the early childhood partnerships that we're exploring for weekday use in the building. Now, what you're going to see here is basically exactly what will happen in phase one, as far as we know. Some of the hallways are going to be a little bit different than you're going to see in the rendering here right now. But kids' space is part of phase one. Kids matter not just on Sundays, but all through the week. And we want this space to be great for them. It'll be a place where kids can be noisy and have bad days and good days and do it in a place that's safe and really well designed for their own flourishing and instruction. Now, see, this is, this is if we do all of the stuff, the phase two approach includes this as our kind of cathedral-like gathering area. That hole in the floor, by the way, that's why demo is easier right now because they can drop all the demolished stuff down through that, that hole and take it out of the building. But if we fill that in, as you'll see here, the demolition gets harder, which is why we've got to relocate demo. But we still believe in, in this vision right here. And imagine a, um, a sacred center in the heart of the city that sort of breathes with the spirit and prays for the city while looking out those windows of the city that explores big questions and hard conversations together in a room that um, honors our values of sitting in the round so that we can see one another and remember that the body of Christ is all of us. We want to green it up on the outside. What you're going to see here does not reflect the playground that we're going to add in this area in light of our conversations with early childhood professionals. But still, we think that green matters, that softening up that space and making it more welcoming would be helpful. And when all is said and done and we get the whole project done, whenever that time comes, we think the rooftop ought to be a beautiful place for outdoor weddings and cups of coffee and conversations during those beautiful days that we've just had, like, like this week, where it's actually really great to be outdoors in the city of South Bend. Um, that's still where we're headed. The details and the timelines and the budgets are up in flux a little bit right now. Um, but that is where we're headed, and we don't want to lose sight of that. That's the update. You guys all right? Good? Cool. Um, I just want to take a minute and offer a space for some prayer and reflection uh, on two levels. One is for us as a church who uh, is continuing to work out this project and think about our own financial commitments to it. But the other is I don't want to lose what I've been trying to say, which is we know and we understand the fact that there are a lot of personal challenges in the room too. Um, we, we don't want the church project to eclipse uh, what you're facing in your own life right now. We, we actually want to like recognize the resonance between what we're working through in our communal life and what you might be facing on your own. Because I, I hope what you'll hear in that is that like you're not on your own and that we're walking through all these things together, both the personal and the communal. And so uh, I wanted to offer just a moment for some prayer and reflection. Uh, if prayer is not a word that works for you, that's totally okay. Uh, you could use this as a time to just meditate or to be present or to think. Uh, I'll invite you to close your eyes, but you don't need to close your eyes, and you can completely opt out of this exercise. It's um, just your choice if you want to uh, participate in this in one way or another. Uh, if you want to reflect, it might help you to put your feet flat on the floor or find some other posture of intention and presence. And then I'm just going to offer a few prompts to help us pray and reflect. And then uh, I'll pray a little more before we sing a song together and wrap this up. If you take a moment or two just to breathe deeply.
As we pray, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Help us to be present to your presence. Let's start at the personal. Is there a part of your own life or the life of someone you love where perhaps things feel caught between the before and the after? Where you look ahead to the demands of tomorrow and then you look at what you have today and it seems pretty clear to you that what you have today is not enough. Just take a moment to name, to recognize where that shows up for you or for someone you love. And now if you could cast that experience into the metaphor of the Israelites. Imagine it's the desert that you're walking around in. It's a dusty road. There are no toll plazas with Starbucks waiting for you. It's just a, a barren road. At least that's the way it seems. And maybe you look back to the land of your enslavement and it's too far behind you to even see it anymore. Thank God, because you were enslaved while you were there. But your eyes also look to the horizon. You squint to try to see if there's an oasis out there or a destination that will provide the things that you need and you're not sure if you can see it. But then you realize that all this looking back and looking forward has prevented you from looking around where you are right now. Once you do, you realize there's manna at your feet. Just enough bread has fallen to sustain you today. eat and are thankful but then anxiety stirs up within you realize you're afraid what if the manna doesn't fall tomorrow and so you store some away this for all of us is easier than trusting that God who gave us what we need today will give us what we need tomorrow You wake up in the morning and you find out that the reserves that you've set aside have turned to rot. They're filled with maggots. And you're reminded that you're not out here in the wilderness to make yourself safe or secure. You're out here in the wilderness to become the kind of person who trusts.
for those of us who um, have some connection to the Tribune Project, either we're excited about it or we're dreaming of it or we're concerned about it or we've invested in it or we're thinking about making a commitment to it. I just want to offer a prayer. God, may we keep our sights set on who we are becoming more than on what we achieve or attain. I pray that the we believe that we've been thinking about these last few weeks would express itself in the tangible, concrete reality of the project that you've called us to right now. So God, give us wisdom and insight to make wise and insightful decisions. Help us to be neither timid nor foolish. And when the time is right, God, give us what we need to do what you've called us to do. I pray these things through Christ. We all said, amen. So may you know the God of the wilderness walk, who's more interested in what and who we become than how we arrive. May we trust that today we have what we need for today and tomorrow we will have what we need for tomorrow. Wherever in your own life you feel the fear of what tomorrow will demand, may we together be the people who help one another walk that brave path. And may grace and peace be with you. Amen. Love you all. If you have any questions about all of this, catch any of us on the team afterwards or email info at southandcitychurch.com. Thanks, friends.